Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Podcast listeners, welcome to Making Data Simple. Your host with the most here is Al Martin. I have today Jonathan Friedman. He is the CEO and co-founder of Speed Data. Opposite of slow data, we don't need any slow data, it's speed data. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, a little bit about Jonathan, if I could. A serial entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience in executive roles at semiconductor companies. He was the CEO and co-founder of Centipede, which developed IP for general purpose processors. He also served as the CEO and VP of R&D at Provigent. And that is an infrastructure semiconductor company acquired by Broadcom for over $300 million. So he's rich, folks. We'll talk about that. Super rich. And <laughs> let me, if I can continue, I'm going to, Jonathan's MO, because I do my research, mission objective here is this. And that is data is growing at an incredible pace. We generate 2.5 quintillion bytes of data every day. And the existing processing units are reaching a ceiling and are unable to keep up with data growth. His point of view is that dedicated processing units are the answer to keeping up with big data growth and enterprises can utilize big data analytics to speed up their analytic workloads. Hopefully I did that well. Jonathan, welcome. The first question for you is why are you still working? 300 million, not enough? <laughs> uh, first of all, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure being with you. Uh, I'm not as rich as you uh, imagined me to be. <laughs> Far from it. Oh, I can imagine uh, a lot of riches. <laughs> and, if, and if I didn't work, I wouldn't have the chance of being here with you on the podcast. So uh, it's worth just doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm just having fun with you, of course. We got to have a little fun in our, our day-to-day roles, right? So look, uh, to that end, give us a little bit of your experience. I outlined some of it. But uh, in your own words, is always better. So tell us your experience uh, that brings you to today. Um, I'll start with childhood. So <laughs> I've been fascinated with numbers as far as I can remember. So I've been into big data uh, since I'm a kid, always looking into numbers and, and actually uh, always dreamed about being a mathematician and, and being able to crunch numbers. Unfortunately for me, I, I was far from good enough uh, in order to be a mathematician. But fortunately for me, I was good enough uh, to see the beauty in math and, and to enjoy others being able at least partially to understand what others are doing around numbers is a great, uh, for, uh, I, I'm fortunate to being able just doing that. So, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm all into numbers. Uh, all family discussions are always involving about statistics, numbers, and in any topic you might imagine. So I'm all into big data. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm the typical electrical engineer. Uh, and, and following after I graduated, uh, I, I got into semiconductors. I don't know really how I was first all into numbers and doing signal processing and so on. And I, I was fortunate to be a part of a company called uh, Provigent, which developed, uh, uh, as you mentioned, semiconductors 
for cellular infrastructure. We became a global leader in our market, selling to nine out of the 10 biggest OEMs. And actually, uh, even today, I would say there is close to $2 billion, sorry, 2 billion users a day going through uh, Povigent's chips. Following Porvigent, I, I, I was looking to other things to do and got into processors, uh, first general purpose processors, and, uh, and, and the latest uh, venture is really getting back to my uh, oldest hobby is big data and how to accelerate that. Very good. So early on, you've always been attracted to numbers. What's the attraction? What's the attraction to data? Why does that do it for you? I have no idea. My wife is constantly asking me around that. Uh, we can talk. Uh, we can talk. Spend. Uh, I, I can talk with my brothers on how much it rained in every part of Israel every other day, and and what 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 is that reflect? Uh, how is that compared to average over the last few years? And what does that mean? And 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 so on and so on. I don't know. It just. I like that beauty. I was always fascinated. Uh, with, uh, if you look at numbers theorem and the beauty around numbers, constantly read, I'll say, half popular science books around uh, math. I was never good enough to do the real math. I don't know. That's Sounds what, like you're uh, pretty good. For me. Yeah. Sounds like you're pretty good. Are your brothers in the industry as well? One of my brothers is the chief scientist for the uh, Israeli government in energy. So he's into numbers around energy. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and the other is uh, economist in uh, the Bank of Israel. So he's into numbers as well. But each one of us is uh, numbers in a different area. You guys got a racket going on. You guys got all the different things covered. You got the chips. He's got the government. You got the bank. <laughs> Look, um, we spent a lot of time talking about software. I'm an electrical engineer myself, so it's good to get back into things like power and, and, and hardware, semiconductors, et cetera. Have you always then been in the semiconductor business, pretty much, top to bottom? Yes, I've all, all my professional life. I will say, though, that software is strongly related. So when you look at what Speed Data is doing, it's today it's all about software and hardware working together. So it's not just about hardware. Actually, if you look at our company, I'll say, oh, over 60% of our companies are, are software engineers. So while we are a hardware company, we still have more software engineers than a hardware engineer. So before I get to speed data, a couple of questions on your past. Provigent, uh, Provigent, as you pronounced it. It's a, a semiconductor company that, that ultimately was acquired. Obviously, you didn't stay with, with Broadcom. Did, did the concept of speed data really start at Provigent or no, no, that came after? That's a completely different business model. Well, maybe the first, uh, not the concept, but maybe some seeds. First of all, I, uh, uh, one of the co-founders in Speed Data is Dan Cherish, which was also the co-founder uh, and CEO of uh, Provigent. So uh, we go a very long way together. And after we split our ways, when I left Broadcom, we rejoined again. So, uh, so possibly one seed. Also, I think some of the uh, lessons learned from Provigent are also, are also helped up uh, in the forming of speed data. And then Centipede, you developed the IP and general purpose processes for Centipede. Was, was there an exit there? Did it get bought out as well? Where, where did that land? So Centipede has sold its IP, not a real exit. We have, I'll say, well, we had a lousy uh, business model. Selling IP is not a good one, a good business model. There are only 
I don't know, maybe a couple of companies in the world that are doing, have succeeded in this model. So one is, of course, ARM, which has done that very well in processors. And competing mm -hmm. with that is not a simple issue from a business point of view. This didn't work out the way you wanted it to, or? Yeah, I, I guess that we, when we found Cent uh, we founded Centipede, uh, it was really the death valley of semiconductors in the mid uh, last decade. Uh, it was really hard to get uh, um, financing for semiconductor companies. And then we had to, instead of doing chips, we had to resort to IP, which is much cheaper to do. Uh, but not as good as a business model. And I guess that was the beginning of uh, the downfall. It sounds like a learning experience. You did extremely well with Provigent. And that brings you to speed data. Why start speed data? So, so, so as mentioned, uh, uh, the seeds were uh, born in, in Provigent in the sense that once we were acquired by uh, Broadcom, Broadcom at that time, I think, was the second largest uh, uh, semi-company for, for, for infrastructure, second uh, and very far away from Intel, which was uh, by far the first one. And when, when inside Broadcom, we were uh, constantly looking on, on how to look at larger markets and, and to expand our, uh, our, our market footprint in the semi-infrastructure, uh, looking into what Intel is doing, that began over there. At that point, Broadcom has been, look, uh, um, has been looking to compete with Intel head-to-head and building ARM-based servers, something that did not succeed that well. I guess speed data is part of the thought that you can compete within the Intel in a completely different way uh, via accelerator and not via head-to-head -head in, in a very similar to product, product to what uh, Intel is doing today. In your mind, speed data is a direct competitor for Intel. Yeah, yeah, definitely when we started off. Today, it's not... It, it's not just Intel. So the direct competitions are definitely the CPU. So uh, today, Intel has its own battles versus AMD and versus uh, AWS's Graviton and, 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 and other uh, ARM-based servers. So I'll say the number one, by far, the number one competitor to speed data would be CPUs. Let's talk a little bit about the secret sauce as much as I can get it from you. It's funny because I did read an article that said, how speed data accelerates data analytics. And then in parentheses, it says, as much as its CEO will say. Anyway, in that article, it says, we have not seen any workload where we do not give 20x faster performance. Any workload. So let's talk about that. I mean, what is the difference? Yeah, I'll give some. But when I'm referring to any workload, that refer to any workload, any analytical workload. Okay, so okay, we're definitely like general. We're not, we're definitely not a general purpose process, processor. And if you would, uh, I'll say the uh, vast amount of things that the uh, general purpose processors are doing, we're not going to do it uh, as well as CPUs. But let's, I, I would take uh, one step backwards and, and maybe more important to first look at, at the huge revolution that the data center is going through. And that's the fact that Looking into the future or even already today, there, there is no way that the CPU can continue to dominate the data processing. The data is becoming so huge and so important that there is such a need to process it 
and, 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 and I think it's clear today, it was actually not clear five years ago, but today it's clear, I think, to everyone around that the CPU cannot continue doing that. By the way, in all workloads, not just in analytical workload, this revolution is already uh, more than happening in AI, and, but, but, but it, will, it will be all over and not just, uh, not just in analytics. Uh, I still say that I, I still believe that the CPU would be uh, very dominant in the data center, but more in the control plane and and, and basically uh, controlling uh, the heterogeneous compute that's that will go uh, inside the the data center. And and I'm saying all that to answer your question is that people are are we are not the first, and people are looking into doing dedicated processors. Uh, in order to get a huge uh, boost in performance, Nvidia. So just just that. So we're saying we can do. We we haven't seen anything which is less than a multiple of twenty in performance. Well, this may sound huge, and it is huge in terms of improvement. It is not a surprising number uh, if you look at it. So Nvidia has done that in graphics. Later on, has done that in AI. Uh, you look at Broadcom. They have done that in switches. The switches used to be in done by CPUs, maybe in the 90s. You look at, I don't know, Bitcoin mining. This has, this has been done first with GPUs, later on with dedicated ASICs. So being able to do substantially better uh, on a specific type of workload uh, is not a surprising statement. Relating back to your question, I, I, I can say that, first of all, the first thing that we were doing is that we are concentrating on a specific workload, and that is the analytical workload. And looking at that workload, there are many things that can be done uh, in hardware which are substantially faster than in software. I can discuss a few of them. Uh, the first one is that uh, anal uh, analytical, uh, first of all, the data is being held in analytics in, in, in specific ways. There are files called parquet files or, or rc files these files are holding database tables okay uh, right basically in a columnar way they are not only compressed by also but, but but also encoded and have also nested data inside and have uh and it, it's actually uh, quite a complicated way to hold these files and there are multiple reasons. Uh, one major one is that it is uh, these files are quite cheap in, in terms of storage. And, and, and later on, in terms of networking, passing them from one place to another. Uh, so opening them in, in software uh, is actually uh, quite slow. Uh, it used to be good enough. It's far from good enough today. Um, so you can open these files in hardware. So we, and, and, and if you are willing to put silicon uh, that would be dedicated for that, which is which is something a CPU is not willing to do. You can do that substantially faster. A another thing, if you look at the uh, analytical workloads, if, if you look at SQL uh, as an example for 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 a language that is being used for analytics, then you can easily find uh, the uh, common or the most common functions building blocks that are being done in a while processing analytics. Interesting ones would be GroupBy, Joins, uh, ConcDistincts, and, and uh, window functions, and so on and so on. And 
if you set a target for yourself as an engineering and say, okay, what how, can I do that substantially better than just in software? I think uh, you would find that this is this is possible possible. So we have a, a data flow, I'll say processor that has special hardware units that can do specific things which are very common in analytics. And then of course, uh, there's a lot of software around that being able to take an analytical workload and basically compile it to the machines which are uh, inside our chip. And, and, and that's our secret sauce altogether, right? Building specific blocks and later on integrated, integrating it to existing software or analytical software. I, I got everything you said, but I, and I'm going to lead up to a, a deeper question, but I start with who is, who is your customer? I mean, who's your primary customer you're targeting today? So, so, so we have various types of customers. Uh, we, can, we can talk about a few of them. One would be uh, um, enterprises which have their own data centers, on-prem customers. Uh, they would be a type that basically gives the full solution, ha- has, have their own solution. They both buy their hardware and their, and their software. Another type of uh, a customer could like that, just to give an example uh, of an, uh, hyperscalers like Meta, Apple would be hyperscalers, examples of this type. But there are also many other type, uh, small, uh, small enterprises of this type. Another type would be cloud providers who are actually can use our solution as instances, providing their customers with analytical processors as, for example, AWS as EC2 or, or Azure or Oracle or Google. Or on the other hand, they can also be uh, providing managed services and multiple others of analytical engines that run over the public cloud. There's also public public cloud users who are essentially buying from the clouds either instances, EC2 instances, or managed services. I got it. Uh, look, I know data, and I'm just enough to be dangerous in processing. But what's the decision point? Meaning, let's say, let's stick with the enterprise customer then, or we could be a cloud provider as well. But if I decide like, look, I need a much greater level of performance. How do I go about the hardware switch to make this happen? What does that process look like? I'm talking on behalf of the listeners out there that say, look, I'd like to take advantage of it. I'm not really sure how. What do I do? So so for, I'll give an example. We're working with one of the top five pharma companies in the world. First of all, just to get a feeling, they're doing uh, something which is called a compound compound similarity analysis. Essentially, they are uh, looking into compounds, giving them fingerprints, and then they have a list of millions of compounds, and they want to understand how similar each compound is to another. And and, and just imagine if you have a million compounds, just just going through this list, it's a million times a million uh, and, and for each one of them doing some processing, that can take quite some time. So, so, so actually, we are talking to these guys, and, and these guys have, have shown us a work they have done in which they have built a cluster of 100 nodes, and, uh, and they have 
they, they have ran this processing that they're doing for 90 hours in order to get the results. And, and we actually, so today we have a prototype running and we, we have actually uh, shown, and, and that is done over a hundred nodes. We, can, we actually, actually have shown them that we can do that same, same processing on a single server instead of a hundred with four of our own chips in 11 hours. So, uh, wow. so for them, we actually told them, okay, uh, you can just put it under your desk. Uh, and have it as if you had your own PC. <laughs> but, but essentially, uh, customers who have their own data center have their infrastructure guys. And actually, so we, we can provide a solution either as a server with one of the big OEMs or as a PCIe card in a very similar fashion that the GPU is sold. We're a PCIe device and that can fit in any server that can uh, accommodate a PCIe card. But if I'm a, a client, like the client you speak of, I say, look, I, I want to use my Cognos reports. I just want them to be faster. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, I'll give you the example for, for Spark. So we are providing, he, he will add his, the PCIe card or we'll get a server from us, run the Spark he's used to, add our plugin. So we have a library plugin that we add to Spark. And from his perspective, it's completely transparent. In that regard, you would always use Spark. In that case. Yes, yeah. for Spark, we will have plugins and we are now looking into Presto as well. So we will have plugins for that as well. And as mentioned, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we will go uh, after the various tools out there, one after another, such that the user will remain with two things. One, the, the SQL or the, the, uh, the software he has written uh, is untouched. And also he will be able to maintain the framework, the framework or the tool, the analytical engine he is used to, he can continue using it. So right now we support Spark. Uh, our next step is Presto, and we'll go uh, after uh, more and more tools as, as we progress. Does it matter if the customer is a supporter of Spark or not? Today, he's on, he only has to be a Spark user. The performance number are, are over Spark. It's not just the, uh, so we measure them over Spark. It's after, if you have any, connector um, losses, it's after all that. So to make sure I'm connecting all the dots here, and look, this is this lack of my understanding, but is this like an APU? It's an analytic processing unit? Yeah, is that a yes? <laughs> yes, that, yes, definitely, that's yeah. a yes. That's the name we have given to the family. I also managed to get it inside Ticopedia, so you can look it over, what's an APU? That's an analytical processing unit. DPUs, IPUs, GPUs, you have the APU. What's the what's the difference? They're actually completely different products. We we actually have also uh, just lately written a paper on that, uh, which would soon be published. But essentially, DPUs are parts which are handling the are offloading the CPU from network activity. Uh, there are basically there are NICs or smart NICs, and and are offloading uh, the CPU from all network activity. So we are not doing that. And they are not doing analytical processing. Uh, GPU uh, is essentially mainly for AI and NVIDIA is trying to uh, widen its market and, and making it a general purpose GPU, but it's essentially mainly for AI in the data center today. And what else do we have? We, we sometimes have uh, other types of accelerators. Some of them are related to computational storage 
and are being held uh, as smart SSDs and things like that. And again, are accelerating the uh, storage part. Uh, makes sense. And just to reiterate, analytics, processing structure, semi-structured data, I presume, in the analytics context. Does Yes, definitely. Who's your biggest competitor? I mean, I get the NVIDIA for graphics, Broadcom switches, GPUs, uh, Bitcoin, AI, whatever. Um, who's you, who do you see as your biggest competitor? So I said it earlier, uh, CPUs are by far our biggest competitor. 99% uh, of analytics in the uh, processing in the data center today is being done by, by CPUs. Uh, just, just to get a feeling of how big this workload is, just imagine just looking at the most important managed services out there, you have Redshift, which is an analytical tool, probably uh, uh, the uh, or one of the biggest uh, managed services. Uh, BigQuery by Google, uh, Databricks, which is managed Spark. Mm -hmm. um, you have Snowflake, which is uh, uh, fueled by its analytical uh, capabilities. Uh, you have uh, SAP HANA, which is SAP's most important uh, product, which is an analytical tool. So, so, so it's a huge workload, and all of it is being done today by CPUs. Also, the discussion we had earlier, then you really don't have a competitor, to your point. No. Because <laughs> CPUs isn't getting, isn't getting it done and won't get it done. At least that's your thesis, right? No, I, I will say, so So first of all, uh, while I do believe that the uh, CPUs would not, will not continue doing that uh, the, uh, analytical processing forever, they are still my competitors. Uh, and I, I need to make sure that they will not continue doing it. Um, <laughs> but I, I would also mention that uh, eyeing this market just as we are uh, is NVIDIA which is uh, trying very hard to show that the GPU uh, is also a good machine uh, to do analytical uh, processing. I would claim differently, but they're definitely eyeing this market as well. Uh, they're probably eyeing you as well. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you said something in the article that I read that was kind of interesting to me. I wanted you to say more. It said, because you rely on seven nanometers, you've skipped supply chain concerns with three and five. Yeah, I will say, first of all, the world has changed in the last six months, but previously to these six months, I would say that there was constant uh, uh, worries around how, how, around the supply chains, the supply chain and the ability to uh, deliver uh, manufactured chips. Uh, to, uh, and, 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 and definitely for small companies like Speed Data. In that sense, I have mentioned that since we have such a huge uh, advantage in our, from an architectural point of view, we, are not, uh, we do not have to uh, go to the bleeding edge in terms of process where uh, it's very crowded. Okay? You have Apple, NVIDIA, Intel, everybody's battling uh, to get their gains from the process because because the uh, in the markets they're competing, that's that uh, that's a, a huge part of the benefit is being able to move to a, a better process. We are not there, and 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 we're perfectly fine in, in being uh, two generations behind in terms of process. Our 
are, we have such a big advantage from an architecture point of view, we can easily compete with the CPU uh, in three nanometers and, and be substantially better than that, that type of CPU. What impact does the Chips and Science Act that the U.S. instituted have on you? Anything? Um, uh, well, for the moment, I will say uh, that... So, so there is one big chip manufacturer, TSMC, which, which is by far the most important commercial fub. And around tensions between uh, China and the U.S., uh, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen there. Uh, and this uh, pact has, I'll say, in the long term, uh, does uh, mitigate some of the worries around what's going to happen to chip manufacturing for the Western world. I mean, does it worry you or do you say, yeah, no, it, you know, it, it's non-issue or do you say it's just something we need to keep an yeah. eye on? Uh, you know, there are so many, uh, <laughs> the roller coaster uh, in a startup is so steep uh, on a daily basis that the long-term relationship between China and the U.S., I'll let Biden worry about that. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. You know, I've got the information around speed data, your, your history. Also, we talked about some, some use cases, your customer base, competition. What's, what's the future going to hold? What, if you're a prediction, and this is just an open-ended question, where are we going here? I mean, you already kind of predicted where you think CPUs are going. Either they're going to have to change or, or they're not going to keep up. But what's your prediction on the future? Zero ability to predict the future. <laughs> I, I, we are already not on the brink, but more of already inside a huge uh, revolution. And, and it relates directly to data, not just in terms of analytics, but of course in AI and so on. And, 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 and the, the world is changing at a, an astonishing rate. Uh, and, and there will not be a single industry that that we we look into that would not be completely different in 10 years from now. So I uh, actually, as, as a late adapter, I have no idea how I'm going to keep up with it. Um, <laughs> but I, I'll say my only prediction is that 10 years from now, the world's going to look so different from what uh, it is today. And hopefully Speed Data would have part of that. I get that it's very difficult to predict the future, particularly in this space. And you may not even want to predict it, the future, uh, given it's uh, it's so dynamic. But it's an exciting space. I mean, you mentioned the CPUs. We talked about the CHIPS Act. Look, we got quantum that, that that's out there as well. Let me ask it a different way. What excites you the most? I'll say that, if, uh, first of all, being in the... Uh, you know, in the deep tech industry, I think it's like being in an escape room every day. You have to solve problems, <laughs> which are extremely interesting. And you always get the rush of, okay, how can I solve that? And on a daily basis, you solve one problem after another. Um, I will say that if we manage to to uh, to make a difference in the uh, Medicare and in the uh, world and, 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 and be able to advance the world uh uh, from a healthcare point of view, uh, I would uh, I would feel very well with what I've I have done in this world. Is that the number one you think that the biggest catalyst for change you see in the future? You look at the future, but most of the things that are right are, are changing for worse, right? So in the <laughs> healthcare, at least, is changing for better. 
Well, certainly if you listen to all the news, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you ask my father and, and he's constantly telling me that technology has not brought any good to the world. And basically most of the things are, are just become much worse and it's better to stay where we were. Is this the family debate you talked about earlier that, uh, well, you've got a little bit of everything. It sounds like in your family, you got the politics, banking, you got deep tech. I'm sure your father, <laughs> that's, that's, I'd like to be a fly on that wall just to listen to those discussions. Yeah. My, my father comes from the law industry and he hasn't managed to find, uh, uh, to have a single child uh, practicing law. <laughs> so he, he's bent. He's bent on that. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Is there anything that we should have said or a question you wish I would have asked that I didn't ask to really outline the value of speed data or, or anything else that you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to? Um, we haven't discussed when you're coming to visit Israel. <laughs> I would love to. I haven't. I have, I've actually not been. I've been all the way around the world. I haven't been to Israel. I'd love to come to Israel. I'd love it. You want to? Get familiar with the high-tech industry. you got to be in Israel. I have a team in Israel. I have a team. I've always had a team in Israel. I had a team in services in Israel as well. They're a great team, by the way. Uh, high performers. So, uh, look, maybe we can make that happen. Uh, if you come, I'll take you to lunch. <laughs> I'll fly to Israel and go to lunch. That sounds good. Hey, um, last question. What do you do for fun, man? In all the... In all the... Um, the CEO, the the founder, all this stuff, you know, new technology. What do you do for fun? How do you how do you balance it? I'll give a boring answer. Uh, I come to work. You come to work. That's your fun uh, every day. Yeah, we're, we're Israelis are, yeah, you know, Israelis are not like the Americans that have a life beside work. Well, I, you look. I th- you uh, may you may have misinformation there. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, we're working 16 hour days. I think other places in the world, you know, you know, maybe have it figured out. But uh, yeah, we tend to uh, uh, not have a lot of balance as well. Anyway, yeah, I, I love I love doing uh, I love being in speed data, not just in speed data in the, in the deep tech industry. That's why this, I is, do this is your love. That's good. That's good. Look, yeah. all good. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing speed data with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. For all you listeners out there, I greatly appreciate you each and every week. Please rate us on your flavor of podcast of your choice. Uh, Until next time, hit us on almartintalksdata at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see if you'd like to be on the podcast or if you have any content that you'd like for us to share with you. We do our best. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. See you.